Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. What's new, dude? What's dude, changed? What's uh, what's going on? That's going to be the question of the podcast, dude, is what has changed? Because after a terrible start and the Sharks managed to lose another game after our most recent show, the Sharks managed to win two in a row, one in sort of a weird and wild fashion, and the other sort of like the Sharks of old, the kind of win that most coaches like to see. Sharks were defensively responsible scored three goals, Hurdle got on the scoreboard, and we all know what the catalyst is for this sudden turnaround, dude. It's Patrick Marlowe. Should we go to the tape, dude? Uh, what tape are you talking about, dude? I think we might have a clip from you know a show maybe a couple years ago. A couple years ago? But is, is Patrick Marlowe looking a little bit more attractive at this point? No, that's not, gonna, that's not the answer. That that he's not going to be the answer. The thirty points that Patrick Marlowe will bring is not the answer here. Would, would he be better than one of these guys right now? Probably. Yeah, probably. But I mean, but really not right now. Do you think Patrick Marlowe's like ready to play an NHL game right now? He didn't have a training camp. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not in shape. Of course. But he's like it. That he's going to take a couple weeks to ramp up for sure. You can't just drop him in against Nashville, sign him today, play him tomorrow. That doesn't. It's not going to work. Not yeah. going to work, dude. Yeah, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I mean, did I say that was two years ago? That was last week. That was last week. Patrick uh, Marlowe's not going to, we can't drop him in versus Nashville. Dude, uh, it's a pleasure to be wrong. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be wrong. Uh, Cinderella story, yeah. storybook ending, dude. Totally. Um, Great. Great story. Uh, Sharks, going back to that Nashville game, they lost. They looked better, but they still lost. But then we skip ahead to Chicago, mm-hmm. and you add in the marvelous Patrick Marlowe. Sharks still give up that first goal. Yeah. You feel terrible. Then, at the end of the first period, Patrick Marlowe scores. <laughs> right. Makes it 2-2. Right in front of the net. Doing what Patrick Marlowe does, right? Tip, tips a puck in. Tips a puck. Uh, it was like someone put a Joe Pavelski mask on. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there he is, you know? And then he scores in the second period. Again, mm-hmm. tying the game at 4-4. Sharks trailed multiple times in that game. Yeah. And they did not give up. Blackhawks are porous defensively. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Sharks fought back. They got the win. Barkley Goudreau, that juggernaut, yeah. scores his second goal of the year. And uh, you could feel the gigantic weight lifted off their shoulders. Right. That they notched their first win of the year and um, responded accordingly by playing very confidently against Calgary last night. Yeah, the way I would sort of describe this last bit of a progression would be the Sharks had good stretches against Nashville, a good team. Of course, they they lost, and they lost not in a great way, but at least you saw some some 
periods, maybe not a whole period, but you saw some stretches of time where it looked like the Sharks were dominating play. They had good possession, even against other good players on the team. Of course, it didn't really happen at the right times. And they were a little bit uh, far between, enough to give you know Roman Josie a couple goals and have Nashville win. But you said, okay, in the first three games, there was, it seemed like there was none of that, right? There was none of that. It seemed like the other team had the puck the whole time. The Sharks were on their heels. They'd chip it in. Maybe they get one shot on goal. Not much would happen. And so they had some stretches of good possession. Then in Chicago, obviously they got some more goals. And it seemed like the stretch of good play was in the third when they had the lead, right? The right. Sharks like gave up almost no chances in the third period after they right. had the lead, which was really encouraging to see. At least they put together that stretch at the right time, right? They didn't put it together in the first period. In the second period, they gave up four goals and lose, right? So they put together in the third period, managed to squeak out a, a win, 5-4, not a, not a win that coaches are happy with. And then they put it even together even more against Calgary. So we're definitely seeing this upward trajectory of the Sharks right now. And was it Patrick Marlowe that brought him together? I have no earthly idea. But, hey, I guess we'll take whatever we can get at this point. As we said last week, it certainly seemed like Pete DeBoer wasn't really happy with the personnel at his disposal. <laughs> so I still think he is not as well. And we course. can talk about that uh, a little bit more as we go on. But, I mean, Patrick Marlowe, you know, coming in and, you know, playing 15 minutes, you know, after not having a single second of training camp, uh didn't skip a beat. I mean, he's been very good in these in these uh, first two games, and uh, yeah, I mean they they were getting something out of where they had been getting nothing, mm-hmm. uh, and he made a significant difference. Um, and you know, will this will his presence will the lack of this veteran player that was left by Joe Pavelski and no, by no means my implying that Patrick Marlowe will, will fill the stats that Joe Pavelski left behind. Although Joe Pavelski is not exactly filling the stats himself in Dallas, which is uh, sad mm-hmm. uh, one point, no goals. And that team is uh, dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for the owner to come out and tell everybody say that everybody yeah, on the team. Didn't they already say that once they did that last year. Oops. I mean, Anyways, well, we can talk about them later, but uh, it, it's it's encouraging. They're trending in the right direction. They've got a huge test against Carolina coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly hot team uh, that plays very aggressively, which I think um, I'm anxious to see how the Sharks are going to play against them tomorrow because they really, really struggled against another really aggressive team, which is Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, how are you going to do against a team that just, they don't care? Like, I mean, Carolina, they're going to they're gonna take it to you the whole time. Right. So, um, how will the Sharks respond? Or is this going to be their soft spot where they're not able to to play with those kind of teams, which is will be a bummer. I think they're certainly more primed to be successful tomorrow night based on how they played the last two games. It's good at least to see them have some sort of marker where they can look at some tape. They can think about what they were doing at that time and say, that was the right thing to do. (laughs) That was the right. Cause when you're losing four, one, five, one, three, one, you know, five to two, it's hard to find bright spots in those kinds of games. Yeah. Okay. I managed to score at some point, but you were already losing. You give up a goal in the first five minutes, every game. It's just not much positive to take. So at least they have a bit of a blueprint that they can use maybe to take out one of the one of the best teams in the league. And frankly, Calgary was 
you know, a pretty good team. You know, so I'm happy to see Calgary. And obviously the moment where Patrick Marlowe was introduced and there was that huge ovation. Oh, yeah, and that was awesome. The tears flowing and everything. It, it was just a, a really cool moment to see. Obviously, the Sharks fans are a sentimental bunch. I include myself among that group. And although you and I both weren't exactly advocates for bringing Patrick Marlowe back, that was a great moment in Sharks history. And I'm, I'm glad that he felt so welcome to be back and so happy to be here because that just, you know, makes everybody feel good. I, I hope it continues because of I, course. I can't help thinking of the times, the things that we used to say years ago, because this podcast is so old, but years ago when Patrick Marlowe would play and, and it would seem like he would disappear for weeks at a time. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I think that's what we said. Good luck, Toronto. Good luck in Toronto. I'm sure they're going to love it when you disappear for weeks at a time. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, of course, but I, I can't help but expect it. Well, sure, dude. I mean, uh, I don't think he's going to be any different. But right now, you know, you maybe we're going to be in the midst of one of his hot streaks, which mm-hmm. when he's hot, he's, you know, he, he's a Hall of Famer, right? He, he's <sighs> in the in the conversation, right? He's going to have his number retired in San Jose. Just because you have your number retired for your... I'm not saying that that's what... I mean, listen, they, they say Hall of Famer all the time on the broadcast. You think they're homers and they're just being homers? I'm, are, are we get, I'm being sarcastic. Are, isn't, that what J, isn't that what JR said? He did. He said Patrick Marlowe's a future Hall of Famer, which was shocking for two reasons. One, JR said it, who is famously on the record for not being a huge Patrick Marlowe fan. And two, I don't know if we want the podcast to turn negative this quickly, but I just don't think it's true. But okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's, L- leave, let's, let's, let's leave that let's, there. Let's focus on the positive. Okay. Let's do that. Um, I, uh, well, actually, I'm going to turn it to the negative, too. I'm going to turn it to the negative. What? I'm going to the negative. Okay. I'm going. Because I think while Marlowe has solved a problem, right, at least in two games, he's solved a problem and it's been great, you know, there are some big glaring Oh knows when you look at the Sharks box score, which tells you a lot about what Pete DeBoer thinks of the rest of his roster. I mean, so adding Patrick Marlowe means he doesn't have to play your Tykin anymore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it does mean he still has to play Leon Bergman for six minutes and he has to play Lukas Radil for eight, right? And and then the most troubling is still how much he hates Tim Heed. You know, the number six defenseman playing 851 right i mean that's it, it's that is cannot that is not sustainable right it is not sustainable for the sharks to be rolling 10 forwards and 5d or you know i mean ferraro's playing 12 and a half which i guess is okay on the low end you yeah. know but on the low end of okay but i mean isn't the point of this roster and how you know ideally they want it to be constructed which you know they they've consciously gone away from what Vegas and St. Louis have on their fourth lines which which is what I want on the fourth line right. and it's incredibly effective yeah all right but they aren't going that way they're trying to go with skill and what they have is not good enough right now no and you know Goudreau who was in that row in that role is now playing 16 minutes a night in a much more elevated role this year mm-hmm. so um, oh no, like, I mean, this, this is not good, you know? And I right. think while Marlo has solved an issue for the moment and maybe he'll solve it for the whole year, you know, um, Gambrell has improved as was noted by Kevin Kurz in his article this week. I think Gambrell has been better. Definitely. Uh, but Bergman, your Tyken, 
Radil, uh, Heed. I like Ferraro. You know, I like Ferraro um, too. But but there are some problems, you know, um, on the roster, and and maybe they will improve as well. But um, how much longer before Doug Wilson pulls another ripcord here? Yeah, that's a good question. Certainly, we we can't wait for Shimmick to come back in terms of the Tim Heed thing. Um, I, I'm sure he will be swapped out the very millisecond that he's cleared to play and is okay to play. Because there's no question that Ferraro is staying over Heat, right? No question. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't think that's a I close think call. I that think that they'll risk losing Heat or Prout or Prout to yeah. waivers I think before they Prout, would. But I, I think they'll play Prout over Heat. <laughs> I think the only reason Prout isn't playing is because he's hurt. I think Tim Heat is, is the very last resort at this point. And like you said last week, they're playing these AHL guys. And, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, he was hurt. And a, a listener pointed that out in the, in the thread, in the comment thread last week. But, but I, do you uh, think DeBoer kicked him and that's why he's hurt? It's possible. He kicked him down the stairs. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows what happened here? Um, oh, wow. We got a lot of comments. I didn't read them all. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it certainly seems you're right that the, the roster issues that this team had in the first three games are still there. Um, I think they've certainly been uh, mitigated somewhat by the addition of Patrick Marlowe and maybe some of the boost that that brings. Also, the fact that just guys are just playing better. I mean, they were just playing bad. <laughs> the first right. four games, it was terrible. Right. So you can't have everybody play like crap forever. I mean, sooner or later, they start playing better. You know, Hurdle had a nice goal against Calgary, you know, stuff like that. I mean, some of these good guys are going to come back and start playing better. But it certainly gives you pause. You think of, okay, is this a team that can really stand up against some of these great teams that like Carolina, we're going to see that will run four lines at you all night long and just run you around the rink. And if you're paying, if you're playing only half the team, you wonder if you can stand up to that onslaught. Yeah. It's a great question, dude. And you know, I think we will, while it's early, I think this is a pretty important game tomorrow to see while the sharks have improved over the last four days, you know, um, where are they, you know, cause right. Um, they were so bad at the beginning of the year and now they're going to face a team that is uh similar uh in 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 makeup so mm-hmm. um will they stand tall or will they fold um nice to see Meyer uh get involved nice to see Hurdle get involved um you know, Vlasic and Carlson seem to play better um although you know i mean with 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 Eric Carlson, you want to see more out of him. Like, I think we need to see more out of him. Yeah. Definitely and plenty of mistakes on the Carlson lots front. Lots of mistakes. And, like, how how much can you tolerate that from both him and Burns, who has been making fewer mistakes than Carlson? I mean, Carlson seems to be the one that is constantly getting burnt, you know, caught yeah. up the ice. And... um you know, still too many odd man rushes given up by San Jose. That problem has not been fixed. Right. And it certainly seems, as the commenters have pointed out, that the goaltenders are not always up to the task, right? It, you have a great outing by Martin Jones against Calgary, 970 save percentage, looking great. You know, Sharks are pretty badly outshot in that game. You're down in the game and you tend to give up more shots. It's just kind of how it goes. It might boost your stats a little bit, but when you have a several games in a row, when you're 867 and 833 and all this kind of stuff in terms of save percentage, 
if every third or fourth game you're going to have an 867 game, that's going to be no. a lot of losses. No, it is. It, it It's certainly a problem, but I, mean, I would go back to what we talked about a lot last year. I think while they've given up some bad goals, they've been put in some pretty bad situations. That's true. A lot of odd man rushes. Um, and you can't do that. You can't do that multiple times a game. I'm not putting this all on the goalies, of course. And you give up those kinds of high quality chances. Some of them are going to go in the net, but you also kind of want your goaltender to bail you out every now and again. And yeah, it seems like, absolutely. Seems like this tandem is not really doing that. In the first game, it seemed like Jones did that. Although, the, you know, the the tide was the rink was tipped against the Sharks. Well, the whole he was night. very good in that Vegas game. Right, he, it, that could have been ten to one. Right. If he hadn't have played that well, and I think that when we, that was our takeaway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, um, we expected that, and Jones was good, so I'll take that, you know. And then he came back and was awful, right? In the second game, and until last night, didn't play very well. After that, so, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, the, it's it's funny to me. I'm not exactly sure that this is the exact sequence of events. But you see Pete DeBoer, I see an article by Kurz that say uh, Aaron Dell is going to play more, and then you see a great performance by Martin Jones the next game out. Well, keep saying it then. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that every other day. Keep saying it then. <laughs> yeah, so. we're going to have some more goalies in here for competition. If that's what it takes to get Jones's engine running and have him get you know up his competitive level and make some of those key saves... Yeah. Then I'm I'm all for it, but yeah, there there certainly seems to be a lot of the the minuses on this team are on the defensive side of the ice. Um, although giving up one goal against Calgary, let's see how they do against some of the other teams. After of course, after Carolina, they're playing uh, perhaps in one of the weirdest home and homes possible. They're playing Buffalo at home and then on the road in in the space of three days. That is uh, not exactly ideal from a time zone perspective yeah, and you can't sleep on buffalo i mean buffalo is undefeated yeah. to start the year mm-hmm. when I mean, they're playing really well it's a very topsy-turvy uh, standings table at the moment um <laughs> it just doesn't make sense you see edmonton five and oh you you know i was and and uh there's a there's a um instagram feed called nhl ref logic i don't know if you follow that one i no. know some of our fans probably do but i'm pretty sure the guy's a sharks fan that pays it but you know he posts a lot of hockey related memes and you know there was a game a few days ago where it's like ottawa just you know crushed tampa bay four to two and it's like what world are we living in yeah. when the worst team in the nhl is is killing the tampa bay lightning i don't know but you're right buffalo is undefeated they're five oh and one and uh, they're doing pretty well. And I watched uh, some of the Montreal game yesterday, actually. But um, yeah, it's a, a very strange uh, mix of teams that are at the top here. Colorado Avalanche leading the table, although the Blues are good. Um, it's uh, very strange. <laughs> well, I mean, l- let's talk about the worst team in the NHL, the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars have played seven games. They're 1-5-1. and one. They're minus 10 goal differential. Yeah. They're bad. They're Devils are Devils are minus sixteen, dude. They haven't won a game. They're oh four and two. Devils are pretty bad. They're bad too, dude. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. They're both pretty. But bad. you wouldn't have given that we both kind of liked these two teams in the Vegas draft. They certainly weren't near the end of the draft. Yeah, I mean today, I mean I think the Devils were leading, and then they gave up the game to Florida. <laughs> I mean, you you gotta wonder how for teams that have both had 
obviously playoff expectations. I think Dallas had higher expectations. I mean, how long is the leash here for these two coaches? Yeah. Um, you got to think it's pretty short. Otherwise, um, unless they start to show some signs of life, both these coaches could could get fired. Yeah. And and speaking of new coaches, certainly you have to talk about Dave Tippett in, in Edmonton, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suspected that this could be, you know, uh, a big boost for them. Again, I I'm I don't know that it's sustainable. I think their roster yeah. still has some massive issues, but um, they they seem to be responding to the Tippet way, man. The Tippet way. Yeah, and if they can buy in for the whole year, they obviously have enough top end talent to put some goals up. But the question is, can they keep goals out of their own net? I don't know. James Neal though resurgence <laughs> James Neal has like seven goals already or yeah, something he had a hat right. trick Dude, uh, let's talk about that in January he's, had he's more, still on seven he already has more goals than he did all last year or yeah, something right yeah so uh, Lucic that, looked great last night didn't he did he no <laughs> well then it's a great trade for Edmonton I make that trade every day of the week oh if I'm my Edmonton. gosh that guy's just completely disappeared yeah oh well well dude of course I'm encouraged I'm happy for Patrick Marlowe um, but I reserve the right to uh, not be overjoyed yet. Of course. Uh, I still think there are some problems, uh, things that um, I think we had both hoped uh, would be better play from some of these younger players and how how much more time are they going to be given? Um, Bergman and uh, Radil, your Tyken, there's not a lot of other options. You know, I mean, you're going to have right. to go looking through everybody else's trash um, to to find replacements. Or do the Sharks start pulling up the Chemilevskis and the Chekoviches from the Barracuda, right? I mean, certainly they, they give these guys a try and maybe the idea was, okay, we're going to give... Chemilevsky some seasoning down the AHL, give him some good minutes on the power play and on the kill, get him out on the ice a lot. And if the Sharks are in dire straits, when it comes to guys filling those roles, do they, is this the ripcord that's going to get pulled? That's my question is, are they going to pull the ripcord on your Tykin, send him down, bring up Chemilevsky? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Or if they're going to say, okay, well, we've evaluated these guys. They're not NHL ready yet. We're going to protect them down there and not bring them up. Seems like DeBoer, at least my feeling, is that he has a, a pretty short leash when it comes to these young guys. He doesn't want them to sort of figure it out. He wants them to do the right thing or or jump off, right? It seems like it, you know, but I mean, based on how they're playing so far, uh, it's hard for him to give any reason to trust. I mean, like they're not making any sort of noticeable positive impact. Uh, looking at the Barracuda stats, which doesn't always tell you everything, but um, you know um, those young guys are not exactly turning it up down there. Uh, Chemileski is a minus three with zero points in three games, and uh, Chekovich is uh, one point in two games. So you got to think that if the Sharks were to turn to anybody, you know uh, maybe it's. Uh, Joel Kelman, maybe it's Noah Gregor, uh, maybe it's Alexander True. Doesn't exactly get you too excited, right? Right. I mean, uh, but those are the guys who look like they're. I mean, it's three games, right? I but know. I mean, but 
But I don't know that they're going to turn to these rookies to solve this problem. You know, and I, I think I don't know that it's the right call either. Like, I, if they're not ready, you're going to throw them in there. Ferraro's ready, right? I mean, he looks yeah. like he's ready for this. But if they're not ready, you don't want to come go up there and suck and then already be in DeBoer's doghouse. Right. And that's their introduction to the league. Like, you don't want to do that. Are you changing your tune, dude? Because I mean, in the clip that I pulled, is like you're you're saying let's let's keep the young guys. We we don't know what's going on with them yet. Why bring in Patrick Marlis? So you're saying we should go get some veterans off the heap and uh, plug them into this lineup? No, I don't. I don't know that I can give you an example of who's out there that's better, right? right? Yeah. But I think I thought that I had last night, even as I was watching the game and watching them play well, was that I I I wondered out loud to myself said, you know, if they continue to struggle, is does there need to be a hockey trade made here that is a shakeup of the core, you know, to wake them up a little bit and to do something a little bit different? Um, I don't think we're at that point. And, you know, certainly how they played against Calgary is encouraging. But... No, there's no, there's nobody just out there, right? I mean, I, I see you pointing at Jamie McGinn, right? I mean, dude, I mean, it, hasn't he had a full back replacement? I mean, why don't we just have a, a full reunion tour, dude? Like the great. Eagles, Eagles Good. tickets go on sale tomorrow, dude. We could like you know plug in some of the old guys. Let's bring in uh, um, Al Montoya to solve our goalie issues. Al Montoya. Yeah. Now we're talking. Al Montoya. I like Al Montoya. Yeah, dude. There's um, Chad Johnson, dude. You know. <laughs> There's there's nobody on this list of free agents here that is exciting. Although, I mean, of course, would Thomas Vonick be more productive than Leon Bergman on the stat sheet? Yes. But that's the point is, is that we don't have... We're going to have to go through St. Louis. We're going to have to go through Vegas. And we are not structured right now to beat those teams. Yeah. We... Unless something massively is different, playing the Sharks way doesn't work against them. Dude, is it Brian Boyle time? I know he he fits your mold of a fourth-line player. He's a guy we both like. He's had some health problems in the past. He's 34 years old. But, you know, he made $2.5 million last year. I think he'd probably take close to a minimum contract at this point. I mean, well, that's all we have to offer, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think they're going to do that. I think that, you know, that by if you sign Brian Boyle, you're cap flexibility is gone yeah. like you're essentially you've i think that they've already hurt themselves by signing patrick marlowe you know their ability to make an acquisition later so uh it definitely needs to play out more do i want brian boyle on the team yes would that be better than radil and bergman right now yes would i like to see those guys play better of course I'm mentally clipping this for next week. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll say all the negative, terrible things you want and you can play it back in my face, dude. As long as the Sharks win, I don't care. Um, you know, we're we're six games in, uh, but there is some troubling, you know, uh, troubling stats from the younger players. The clouds are still in the sky. You, you want to see them play a little bit better. And earn DeBoer's trust. So hopefully uh, we will see that yeah. coming up here, dude. Well, dude, hopefully uh, it, 
what we thought might be two easy games against Buffalo are now we're now playing the class of, of the league and Carolina <laughs> too. So it's uh, it's gonna it might be a little tough road, uh, tough tough shoe in here this week for the Sharks. Yeah, but. I'm excited for tomorrow night. I'm excited to see. Uh, I guess it would be Wednesday night. Um, excited to see how they match up. I never thought that Carolina would be a measuring stick for us, but I think that they are right now in terms of how they're playing. And I hope the Sharks can come out and play like they did against Calgary because if they can play that way, and even they weren't perfect. Like, I mean, they mm-hmm. made some mistakes, some turnovers, um, some silly plays, uh, but they played hard the whole game. And uh, I can't say that they did that in the previous four losses. Mm-hmm. Can't say that happened. So um, go Sharks, dude. And hopefully we'll be talking next week about a team that is four and four. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.